Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today, Dave Stückelschweiger will continue to take us through the Gospel of John, where we read about a conversation of Nicodemus and Jesus in chapter 3. Not only does this passage contain one of the best-known Bible verses in verse 16, but it helps us understand more about why Jesus came to earth and what we need to do to experience true salvation. So now let's learn together with Nicodemus about being born again. So reading is from the reading is from John 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling class. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who come, came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Thank you, Sophia, and good morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the members here in Grace Church, and I'm happy I'm able to preach again today. So as Gunther mentioned it before, today is Valentine's Day. Um, and Valentine's Day is a day to celebrate the significant others in our lives. And I think one, one thing that I read recently and, and heard recently is, you know, sometimes we only think about Valentine's Day in regards of being thankful for the significant other person. But it should rather be the significant other people. And so I think all of us, we have other people, not just as one person, but other people that we walk closely with in our lives, other people that we are thankful for 
the ones that challenge us, encourage us, um, the ones that carry us and, and, and help us and, and support us. And so those are the people that we uh, can and should be thankful for today. In, in Grace Church, right now, we're going through a sermon series through the book of John, Gospel of John. Specifically, today we will look at John 3. Uh, it's, I think it's a passage that we know really well, especially this one verse in John 3. But before we start, I think um, we all can think of, of maybe this one person or this one meeting that has changed our life completely. Maybe it was a person you met. Maybe it was just over a short time or a week or, or, or a few days or this one teacher in, in your school or, or this one colleague that just had such a significant impact on your life um, that it, it was changed. And for me, one, one uh, person that I um, really admire and, and I'm very thankful for is Joe Batluck. He was a a youth leader at a summer camp that I attended many, many, many years ago. And, and just during that time, he encouraged me to think about my faith actively. I was like 16, 17, 15 at, at the time to think about my own faith, what it means, what I actually believe, what, how I read the Bible, how I grow in my relationship with the Lord. And, and so I'm sure you also have such one, one event that you met a person or maybe over also maybe a longer time, this other person that changed your life. And today we talk about, uh, also a guy who had a significant encounter with Jesus Christ. So as I said before, we go through the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, um, in, in its, in the way it was written is very biographically. So it talks about who Jesus is much more than the other gospels who talk more about what Jesus did specifically. But gospel of John talks about who Jesus is. Um, and we read in, in John chapter 20 verse 31, we read, these are written. So, so that the many chapters that were written, these chapters are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So it was written for two things. First of all, for us to believe, to believe what? To believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. So the word Messiah means in, in Hebrew is the same as the Greek word uh, Christos, which means the anointed one. It means he's the one that, that is the king, the one that is, that is, uh, to be looked up to and the one that is to be followed. So this is what believing means. It means to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord. And then also, the Gospel of John was written to, um, help us, um, and to receive the life that God has promised. It was, it says here in, in uh, John chapter 20 was 31, that by believing you may have life in his name. So where we are today is, is uh, chapter 3. And we read about a guy called Nicodemus. Um, so maybe if you don't know Nicodemus, he, he's mentioned in the Bible a few times. <clears throat> but Nicodemus... He was a Pharisee. So the Pharisees, they were kind of a Jewish denomination. So also at the time, there were different denominations. Um, they had somehow different traditions. Um, but the Pharisees were a Jewish denomination. And, and they were very strict. So they were strict followers of the law. Um, and, and that was not necessarily bad. 
Um, that was also a good thing. See, see, Paul, him, Paul was a Pharisee. He talks, he doesn't talk bad about being devoted to Christ, but he actually sees it as something good. But see, many Pharisees in, in trying to, to follow all the laws so strictly, they missed the most important thing. They missed Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the, the essence of what the Bible is all about. And so it can be that by following the laws so strictly, focusing on them so much, we can we can miss um, Jesus Christ Himself. And so Nicodemus, we read, he was a member of the the Jewish council. Um, he was a member of the ruling council because Israel at the time was. Um, was ruled by the Roman Empire, which meant um, they did not have full freedom. But within this Roman Empire, the Romans granted them some kind of religious and cultural autonomy. And that was exercised by the council. And so the council consisted of a group of men um, who met who met regularly and they made the final decisions in most of the religious and cultural questions. It may be similar to some form of parliament that we have nowadays or a court or maybe in a church, a group of elders who kind of um, who, 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 who uh, meet and, and talk about uh, and, and, and decide on certain religious questions. But when we read in the New Testament, the Jewish council actually mostly opposed Jesus Christ. At the end, they were the ones that um, that made the final judgment that Jesus Christ need to be needs to be executed. Uh, you can read about that in John chapter eleven, verses forty-seven and following. And so Nicodemus, he was one of them, but he was a little bit different than the others because Nicodemus was curious. He had heard some about Jesus and he was afraid to be seen with Jesus because most of the others opposed him. And so um, Nicodemus was the one who was curious, who talked to Jesus. We also read about him um, later on in the Gospel of John chapter 7, that he was the one to defend Jesus in the council in front of his fellow brothers. And, and he said there, um, it's, it's not right to judge somebody before you actually listen to his teachings and so we see in in some way he 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 changed in in the way he thought about jesus uh, the next few chapters and then actually when we look at the end of the gospel of john when we look to um jesus burial we read that nicodemus he was one of the very few people that assisted with jesus burial and so that was a big thing because you see most of Jesus' disciples and followers and his fans and all of them, they left when he was, uh, when he was crucified. But Nicodemus was one of the few guys who actually helped with the burial. Uh, not just that, we read, we, we read that he contributed also about 30 kilograms of some kind of cream or balm. It's, uh, it says myrrh and aloe, which is, uh, was used to, to kind of uh, a cream that was put on the body before they were buried. And so Nicodemus, he started out as a skeptic. He questioned Jesus. He questioned what he was saying. He wanted to get to know him. But we see um, that something in his life changed. And something about this, this, this meeting that he had with Jesus in one evening in, in secrecy, something about 
this meeting changed his whole life afterwards. And he started as a skeptic. He started as somebody who kind of observed Jesus from a distance. But in the end, he became a follower of Christ. So when we read that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, he mentions a few things that he believes about him. Um, and so some of the things that he mentions is he addresses Jesus as a teacher. That's the first thing. He also does, secondly, he does acknowledge that Jesus was sent by God. And thirdly, he says he's aware that God is with him, that God gave Jesus success in, in what he's doing. And so what Nicodemus mentions is not necessarily wrong. It's actually very right, but the thing is, he misses the true core of who Jesus is, that he's much more than a, than, than a teacher, that he's much more than just um, being uh, sent out by God, and that he's much more than just God who gave him success. And so the interesting thing is when Nicodemus um, approaches Jesus and, and, and just uh, opens this conversation, Jesus introduces a whole new topic. So in some way, it doesn't really fit because we read in, in verse 3, we read, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. I know if you look at verse 2 and 3, they seem odd in some way. It seem odd because it looks like there is no connection. Well, we see Nicodemus, he was very knowledgeable. He was an educated man in in in... In, in, he was an educated man. In, in some way, it all, almost seems like Jesus is telling him, Nicodemus, you came to learn from me, but what you actually mean isn't more knowledge. What you actually mean need is rebirth. He's saying, Nicodemus, more knowledge does not save you. What you need to be saved is you need to be reborn. And so we realize that when we were born as, as humans many, many years ago, for me that was 30 years ago, when our mothers birthed us, that in some way that wasn't enough. We have to be born again. And so that's, that's a very odd thing to say. I don't know how you would approach if you feel like, uh, if you think about this situation that if you were in that situation, somebody would tell you you have to be born again, how would you respond? What, what would be the first thing to think of. And so Nicodemus, he, he seems in some way pretty dumb. I mean, I'm sure he was quite intelligent and educated. He was probably able to have really long debates, but here he seems a little naive. Um, and so, I mean, before we look down on him, um, just remember he is talking to Jesus. So kind of um, Jesus at an advantage here. Um, and he, Nicodemus might be smart for human standards, but compared to Jesus, that's like a whole different thing. And I like Jesus' response here because he simply repeats himself. If we look at verse five, 3 and verse 5, we see Jesus more or less repeats the same sentence. He says, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. In some way, it's the same as verse 3. There's, there's just one little difference. Um, first, it says no one can see the kingdom of God. No one, But now it says no one can enter the kingdom of God 
Um, first, he told Nicodemus, see, the only way for you as, as a teacher to understand the one thing that you're not able to understand is actually if you believe it. And so in, in some way here now, he's saying the only way to be part of the thing that you want to be part of is to actually believe it. And, and believing it in some way for him is to say you have to be born again. And that's that's the tricky thing. So what does this then mean? Um, for some reason now, he says you have to be born of water and the spirit. Does that mean water like baptism in, 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 in like water baptism, baptism in water and, and then baptism in spirit? So Nicodemus is might be missing the water baptism, but also the baptism in spirit. See, most often in the Bible when we read about water, um, it's it's often used for at least literally for, for some literal water um, as some lake or some river or something like that. And so it could mean water baptism. But then again, when we read the New Testament, we see clearly that we're not saved because of this baptism in water. And that is not something that is required to become a son or daughter of, of God. See, we know that water baptism is definitely something that is commanded by God. God says, you should do that. You should have an outward sign of what is happening within you. But um, it's not something that is necessary in order to be saved. So what does it then mean to, uh, be, uh, to be born again in water and in spirit? See, when we look uh, in, in, in mentioning, when we look for mentionings of, of water in, in later chapters of, of John, we read John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39. And here Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So when we understand this, we, we, we realize that, that the need to be born of water, which is literally, we, 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 which means literally the same thing as be born of the Spirit. And so we, when we continue also in John chapter 3, and we see how this thought kind of continues because it kind of always continues with uh, connecting rebirth and the Spirit. So we can say, Rebirth in water means, in essence, the same thing as rebirth in spirit. Because, as it says here, um, the spirit working in us will uh, will be the water that flows out of us. So, why is all that idea so important? Why, why is that teaching so important for Nicodemus? See. Technically, when we think about birth, we have to realize birth is, is something you're given. Like birth is not something you do as a baby when you're matured and, and you, you grow up and you get skills and then you decide to be born. But birth is something the other way around. Birth is something you receive. It's, it's the mother that gives birth and, and the child in some way receives the birth. And so when we look at, uh, at our spiritual birth, 
It is also the same way. Our spiritual birth is also something that we receive, something that is done within us, not something that we are able to do ourselves. And this is what was so crucial for Nicodemus, because he was the guy who said, I will do everything right. I will make sure I will keep everything. I'll think about it and, and do the right thing, and then I'll achieve it. And so what, what's, what's different, what, what Jesus told him what's different um, to his old thinking is is being born again by the Spirit is something you receive, not something you do yourself. One thing also that uh, I like about this passage is it talks so much about the working of the Holy Trinity. You know, sometimes for us as Christians, if you've um, heard of it um, and thought about it, it's like so hard for me and for all of us to understand, like, how does the Trinity work? Um, And we see here clearly that Jesus talks about the work of somebody else. He says, this is what the Holy Spirit does within you. Um, and so we see that, that the Holy Spirit acts, um, not independent of Jesus Christ, but also as, uh, part of, of the triune God. And so if we continue to see, uh, to look at what, what, uh, the Holy Spirit does, um, let's look at verse 8. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with anyone born of the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is at work right now. I mean, you you probably, or maybe you can hear him, you can feel some of what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. Um, maybe we see some of the areas in our lives that need to be changed, but um, also we see, and, and, and the Holy Spirit shows us the kinds of, of uh, areas where he brings out the fruit. Um, we see the changing of our character. If we allow God to change us, we um, see that um, that the fruit um, that we read about in, in uh, Galatians comes out of our lives um, and that God is honored through all of us. But we read this, what we read here is you cannot tell where it comes from. And also maybe um, you have seen that in your own life, um, that all of a sudden God just shows you a part of your life that needs to be changed. And you have ne- never realized that before. Um, maybe you just sit there, you read your Bible, you pray, you're in a sermon, and all of a sudden you go home and, and just within you it just feels different. It's like the Holy Spirit touched something that maybe was never touched before. But the other thing that we read here is um, that we cannot know and, and where it is going. Just like the wind, we, we don't know where he comes from and where he's going. So it is with the Holy Spirit. We cannot know what he will do next in our lives. We cannot determine. We cannot decide. He just does his own thing. And that's one thing that's amazing. God works in us the way he pleases, not the way we want it. And all we're called to do is is to respond. In, in some way, like the wind, you hear the wind, but what you do about it is is your own decision. And, and I think in, in a lot of ways, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We can see and feel where the Holy Spirit is active, but it's our calling to respond.
And so we see Nicodemus doesn't get it. He said, how can this be? Nicodemus asked in verse 9. See, in some way, I guess Nicodemus, he, he, he looks or he seems to be quite arrogant. See, he approaches Jesus in the level of equality, right? So he goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you're a teacher. I'm a teacher in Jewish council. He says, Jesus, you have come from God. I was placed in the council by God. He says, Jesus, um, you have been um, blessed by God just like I'm blessed by God. And so he approaches Jesus in the way of, of equality, saying, you're a teacher. I'm a teacher. Let's have a good conversation. And what I like about this is that Jesus does not... Um, I mean, Jesus tells him right away where his place is. Like, he does not respond in equality, but he tells him, like, there's something different. Jesus tells him, like, in, 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 in verses 10 and 11 and 12, he tells him very clearly, Nicodemus, verse 10, you do not understand these things. And then later on in, in verse 11, he's like, um, he tells him, I do that much, I testify, but you people, you do not accept our testimony. And then in verse 12, he says, you do not believe. And this is one thing that, that I think is amazing about God is he, he addresses everyone differently. So in some way, he's very harsh with Nicodemus. Um, he's very um, theoretical. He's very, um, he approaches him at his level of understanding but then when we see Jesus Christ talking to other people, um, um, he talks very, very differently. Um, if you um, see how he treats his disciples, they were stubborn very often. Um, um, if, if you see how he, he treats other people that followed him and, and the big crowd that just wanted food, he responds very differently. And one thing which is amazing is um, to realize actually how much or how little we we have to know about God um, in order to be saved, and and so one thing that I always always encouraged me is uh, a friend back home. His name is Biani, and he, he passed away last year. But he had uh, Down syndrome, and so his understanding of God was in in some way much limited. So he probably had a hard time understanding this whole chapter, but he knew this one thing that that Jesus loves him and that was all he knew and and he hold the he was holding his bible hardly being able to read it but he knew God loves him and that was the essence of of of, of his belief and and that's all enough um and so God approaches every one of us differently and so for Nicodemus cuz he is the theory guy he has a lot of theory maybe for you that is a whole different approach what you're struggling with but God also wants to um, answer your question and answer um, the way uh, you come to him. And so for the conversation with Nicodemus, he continues, and, and all of that builds up to John 3.16, but let's read verses 13, 14, and 15. Um, and Jesus says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came down from heaven the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everybody who believes may have eternal life in him. And so Jesus tells Nicodemus, like, we're not equal, we're not the same level. See, 
Um, Jesus says, I'm the one who came down from heaven. Nobody has done that except from me. And he then uses a very well-known picture that everyone in Israel, everyone, every Jew at the time knew. And that is from the Old Testament, from when the people of Israel were in the wilderness. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 21. And so the people of Israel, they sinned and rebelled against God. And they said, God, we do not like your ways. We want to live our ways. We don't like the desert and your leadership there. We would like to go back into Egypt and our old lives. And so because of that, they suffered the consequences. They physically fell sick. A lot of people died. And God offered them a, a way out. He got, offered them a way to salvation. He told Moses to make a bronze snake and put it on a long staff. And so bronze in the Old Testament and, and, and at the time always had a meaning. And it had the meaning, the color and the metal meant judgment. And so he put the, the snake of judgment on a long stick and said, if you look to this judgment, you will be saved. Because your sin, um, your sin will be removed because you look to the judgment of somebody else. Your sins will be removed because somebody else took those sins and put them on the staff. And so Jesus is telling Nicodemus, that picture from the Old Testament, that picture is actually me. Jesus is saying, see, I am the one who is going to carry the sins. I am the one who is going to be judged. I am the one who is going to be hanged on the cross and crucified. I am the one who will carry all of that. And so I think Sometimes when we read um, John 3.16, we forget that John 3.14 and 15 are actually a very brutal picture of what Jesus did in order to make John 3.16 possible. It's a brutal picture that Jesus Christ took our sins to the cross in order for John 3.16 to be possible. And so... This is what we read um, in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, we read God loved the world. It's not just the world and, and our un- universe or, or the planet or the environment or all that's there, but the beautiful mountains in Salzkammergut, I don't know. But it's actually more the people in this world. Because it says later on, whoever. It's not all the things can be saved or all the nature can be saved. He says, no, the people, everyone, all of the people who believe, they can be saved. And so John 3.16 tells us how much God loves us. Not just how much, but also in, in what way God loves us. He loves us in that he sent his son to offer us a path into salvation. This is that God loved us so much that he sacrificed his own son for us. And also, it continues, I think, that's something that we sometimes forget um, he makes it very clear of what he did not come for. See, we read in John 3.17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe 
stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, Jesus coming to earth was not meant as a way of condemnation. Um, Jesus came specifically in order to save. None, none of what Jesus did or, or said changed anything in the condemnation. But it says, believing in him, in, 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 in other words, trusting him and, and, and building our lives on him and on his truth, that's, that's what, what, what saves us. But then if we don't do that, um, if we don't have forgiveness, then we stand in the condemnation. It's not that Jesus coming to earth changed anything in this condemnation, but the condemnation is what we are already in, and without Jesus, we have no way of getting out of it. See, when we look at this world, we realize that a lot of things are messed up. A lot of things are not the way it should be. We see, we see a lot of uh, problems in, in our friendship circle or in our country where people do mean things or, or where people think about themselves only and, and, uh, and, and, and hurt other, other people or, or we see all this racism, all these problems. But when we look really closely, we realize that it's not just the other people that mess up, but it's, it's also us. Um, I mean, we're, we're always a little problem only, like we're much better than everyone else, of course, right? Wink. But then we usually would not say we're also the ones that contribute to this mess here in Vienna or to this mess in Austria or um, to this mess in this world. But, but when we're really honest and when we're really looking closely, we realize we also part of this problem and and there's just no way we we get the solution and Jesus is here to say I am the solution Jesus is the one who who is said of in, in John 1 verse 29 he's the lamb of God who takes away our sins he's the one that can take away the problems and he's the one that sends the holy spirit to renew us And so this passage ends ends with this. Um, this is the verdict, chapter, uh, verses 19, 20, and 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that the deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of of God. And so let us bring our lives into the light. Let us open our lives to the Holy Spirit, allow him to change us and 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 welcome his work in us. Let's allow him to uh form our character and and form our our way of thinking, our way of living, how we treat other people, how we think about ourselves and our uh our friends. And I don't know where you stand with God today. I don't know if you're there, if you, if you trust Him, if you build your life on Him, on His teaching. Or maybe you're more like Nicodemus. He's the one thinking that Jesus Christ is a good teacher. He's the one thinking he can learn a few things from Him. But let, let me just tell you this, that spiritual rebirth 
is not something you can achieve or something that you can figure out or something that you can do yourself, but it's something that the Holy Spirit does. It's not our own work. It's not something that requires our own thinking, but it's what, what God does. It's what the Holy Spirit does in us. And our, our calling is just to give our lives over and, and invite the Holy Spirit into us. And also, if you've been a Christian, if you said, I, I did this a long time ago, I have the Holy Spirit, I am reborn, remember that the Holy Spirit working in us, just like we read um, about, about, the, about the wind that blows where it wants, remember that the Holy Spirit's work in us is a continuous work. It's not something that happens once and then it's over. And yes, it is, because we are reborn once, but it's also a continuous process of the Holy Spirit changing us and forming us and, and, and shaping our character and our actions and, and how we think about other people. And so let the Holy Spirit do the work in you. Ask God to be active in changing you, to show you what needs um, would need some modification. And so we can do that. Um, we can see in also every meeting with God as an opportunity for God to speak to us. Maybe for us, if um, today or, or the next time we read our Bibles, the next time we pray, maybe that also is such a meeting that can change your lives significantly forever. We see Nicodemus, he approached um, Jesus um, with the wrong heart. But we see that in his life, he changed. He was a skeptic, an observer, a critic, but at the end of it, uh, of, his, uh, of, of Jesus' life, or at the end of the Gospel of John, we see that he was the one that actually was there when Jesus Christ was buried. He was the one that was willing to be um, to be with Jesus after he had crucified, had been crucified, after he had been condemned, um, and so we see such a huge change in his life because of this encounter with Jesus Christ. And so that can be the case for you also today, tomorrow, anytime you talk with God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ to come to this earth and to take away our condemnation and to offer us righteousness. Thank you that you have promised us, Lord, also to change us and to give us your Holy Spirit that is active and alive in us, that shows us um, areas that need to be changed, that encourages us, that brings us brings out more good fruit and, and, and helps us to um, to put all our talents in, into action here in, in Grace Church and in Vienna and, and be there for other people, Lord. I pray that the, um, that we would give the Holy Spirit more more presence in our lives and, and, and daily. Lord, and I um, thank you for each and every one of us who is here today, Lord. Um, thank you for the ones of us who have uh, known this and who have accepted this and welcomed this. Thank, thank you that we know that all of this is done because of you, not because of what we do or what we think or what we achieve. Lord, and for all of us here that are still skeptics, that are like Nicodemus, thinking about stuff and not knowing what is right and, and, and looking closely and observing, Lord, I pray that you um, would work in them, Lord, because it's something that you do, not that we that we do or achieve, but it's something that you do. And I, 
I pray that today and, and, and every other encounter is, is an opportunity for them to see how much you love them and, and what you uh, have in store for them. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can trust you and know that you're a good God and, and you walk with us into the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.